Not safe for work moment. I'll give you five seconds. Is Donald Trump a fucking Jedi? We're going to talk about it. The dollar continues to surge the way we told you it would. Is gold in trouble? It broke through our support that we said was critical. The Trumpsters getting sued by New York. They're protesting in the streets of Iran. Is Vladimir getting desperate? A lot to get to, as there always is. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode number 187 of our therapy session that we call Bizarro World. Um, Nick, not safe for work moment again, guys. Five more seconds. It's a lot of crazy fucking shit going on out there, Nick. Oh, man, it's a bizarro world. It has been for years since we started this podcast. Uh, you didn't ask me how I was doing this week. You normally do that. How are you doing, Gerardo? I feel that we just caught up. I am well. Thank you for asking. And excuse my rudeness. It's so crazy out there. I, I just assumed that, you know, we were on the same page with stuff. And also, look, frankly, we just got to see each other in Beaver Creek. It was really nice catching up. I feel like the reconnecting in person um, kind, of, kind of spoke to that a little bit. But yes, Nick, I am well. Thank you for asking. How are you? I know it's been a busy week of catch up for both of us getting back from Beaver Creek, right? Oh, that's it. I mean, yeah, craziness in the world, craziness in the markets, catching up from being out for a week, um, you know, Fed decision or rate hike this week, uh, all kinds of stuff going on. So just uh, a little bit scrambled, but uh, happy to be here and talk about all of it. Let's get right into it. The dollar index has surged uh, over 111. Jerome has spoken and Jerome, you know, much to my surprise, actually looks pretty hell-bent on continuing to raise rates. I thought he would be at least a little more dovish in his posture, not his language, but in his posture in this meeting that just passed. And that wasn't the case. And so to his credit, if something breaks overseas because of a surging dollar, um, he's going to have to own that, but it looks like he's willing to own that as long as he appears tough on inflation, the inflation they denied for so long. But credit to him again for owning it, standing by it, and um, making it his baby. Credit. Don't give him any credit. <laughs> <laughs> Just this one time for at least owning the fact that whatever he breaks is his, right? He already did all the other stuff that he denied. He owns that too, and uh, he, he's not owning it. He, we're putting it on him, and we're all, we've held him accountable. But I'll give him a little bit of credit on this. It's like when Greg Abbott does something smart every now and then, right? I give him credit. Yeah, and then he goes off and he does dumb shit. And we'll talk about Ron DeSantis, his other little dumb asshole buddy here, in a little bit, flying legal migrants all around the country like they're fucking ping pongs on a ping pong table. But um, no, look, to, 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 to Powell's credit, um, he's been consistent with his policy decisions and what he said, which hasn't always been the case. It's been the total opposite every other time. He says one thing, does another. Says one thing, does another. So I'll give him that much credit, Nick, just on the consistency of the message being complimented by the actions. Yeah, but he's doing the wrong thing. So. Oh, yeah, that's another conversation. <laughs> he, he, he might be doing what he says, but it's the it's the wrong thing at the wrong time. So, you know, the, the time to raise was during the, the bubble highs of the euphoric market coming out of the, the pandemic, right? When everybody had padded checking accounts because of stimulus and PPP checks. Um, if you don't remember, they spent that time, instead of raising rates, they spent that time telling you that inflation was transitory, which you already mentioned. And so now they're hiking in, into a recession, which 
Um, they tried to deny as well, uh, both the Fed and the incumbent uh, administration, the Biden administration, right? Moving goalposts, telling you the technical definition of a recession had changed. And, and now, oh, and telling you there was going to be a soft landing too, by the way, right? Well, guess what? Now there's no more soft landing. There's going to be some pain. Uh, the specter of a recession is higher, according to, to Powell's remarks this week. And 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 Americans should be pissed off. You mentioned uh, Iran Absolutely. Or, or, or Iran, but... Look, now you've got mortgage rates at 14-year highs. You've got people taking loans to buy groceries. Um, you know, buy now, pay later grocery loans are a thing now I was reading. Uh, buy now, pay later weddings are now a thing uh, as well. And um, yeah, Don't do it, y'all. <laughs> However you feel about the institution of marriage, and I, I, there's no judgment for me on this, right? I am happily married. Um, you know, I, however you feel about that institution, right? I, I personally feel it's somewhat archaic though. I participated in, you know, the, 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 the outdatedness of it. Um, you, sh if you're starting, if you're starting your marriage by buying it now and paying later, you probably should just wait, wait a little bit, baby. <laughs> wait a little bit. It's going to yep. be all right. You don't have to go right now, right now. And I wonder what those interest rates are going to be. I wonder if they're uh, adjustable, if they're they're locked in at, at whatever, 5 or 6 or, or 7%. So um, all that to say, if you weren't already bearish, it's time to get bearish. Like Things aren't looking good. We've talked about the, the COVID lows. Um, you know, your GDP now forecast is, is just about at zero for, for Q3. And, and guess what? We're getting into pre-announcements for Q3 earnings that aren't going to be good. Um, buckle your seatbelts if you haven't already. That's what I would say. I, I think you're absolutely right. Do you think this dollar surge continues? I mean, in, 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 you know, in light of the fact that Mr. Powell seemingly is going to continue to raise rates through the end of the year, despite, despite, and again, I was wrong about this, despite the midterm elections being right around the corner, I thought he would at least soften the posture before that. Um, because typically the Fed doesn't want to appear to be meddling in, in, in politics. But again, doesn't seem like he's going to change that. I could, I, I could be wrong about that. I've been wrong th thus far. Um, maybe he doesn't about face. I don't know. But let me answer it in terms of, of bonds and in terms of stocks. I mean, um, I capitulated on the bonds. I mean, you sort of have to. The ten year screamed above yep. three and a half percent. It's sort of time to just step aside and and let this play out. So if I wasn't a third cash, I'm in like fifty percent cash now. I mean. Uh, things are getting wonky out there. You mentioned things breaking. Well, you know, things are breaking. The yield curve is inverted, like nearly, you know, almost 0.6 or, or whatever it is. So um, it's a lot it's, of 69 and going on with the yield yeah, curve. <laughs> it, it's, rough. It's, it's, it's rough times out there for sure. So, um, yeah, I think people are going to continue to sell stocks. I certainly am and content to, to move to more cash. And, and, and that portends a, a stronger dollar, which was your question, right? I mean, um, it's it's well, it's not tough to see when this is going to end. I've been saying sort of Q2 next year for a while, but that's five or six months away. Right. And so um, if people need to, to step aside and, and hold cash, then you could certainly see the a dollar continue to strengthen, if not stay at least as strong as it is, which um, some could argue. And, and, and even I could probably make up an argument if you gave me some time for that. Things are already broken. Right. Um, you mentioned things breaking like. Um, you know, yield curve inversions, the most they've been in 20 years, dollar, the strongest it's been in 20 years. That's a generation. I mean, 20 years is a generation. Stuff's the um, craziest, most unprecedented, inverted, all those stuff that it's been in, in a generation. So things are breaking.
I think there's bigger things coming. I think there's, you know, I, I think bigger things are going to break. I think economies are going to start imploding. I think, you know, and, and, and again, some of them already are. We're going to talk about Ron DeSantis and, you know, the migrants, the legal migrants from Venezuela that came here seeking asylum, did the right thing, followed the U.S. immigration policy procedures, um, and then again, got flown around, you know, like fucking pawns. Um, literal pawns, yeah. right. Political pawns. And so, no, look, I think, uh, I, 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 I look overseas at the bond markets there. I know how, how manipulated those are, but we're getting to the point I touched on Iran and, and we'll get into what's going on out there, but all the things that I'm seeing, whether it's the morality police in Iran and, and, and the riots there, riots we haven't seen in quite some time from, from that part of of the world in in Iran um, to Europe to Japan's economy to you know Vladimir getting desperate in Russia these are all fourth turning events we look at the institutional um, friction here in the United States whether it's our Supreme Court or our state governments or the New York Attorney General suing Donald Trump for fraud I mean we are seeing unprecedented actions across all of our major institutions. So when I talk about things breaking, I'm thinking big breaks. And and again, not to not to minimize the pain that's already being felt, you know, around the world and here in the U.S. Because obviously, clearly, we're in a recession, right? Uh, you can go to the grocery store and, and 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 kind of realize that we're already there. But yeah, no, I'm, I I am a bit fearful as to what's to come, and um, I I don't see this dollar surge slowing down anytime soon because of the volatility. Because it is the, the the cleanest, dirty shirt in the laundry basket, like I say every month, um, and have been since 2016, and so tricky times, tricky times. What do we do, Nick? You go well, to cash. That's yeah. what you said, right? I mean, for your yeah, your retirement money, you go to cash. You you sell down your tax losses if you're fortunate enough to have some gains to, to offset them for the year. You focus on yourself and your family and, and try to tune out the, a lot of the noise that's going on. You know, some of that stuff will, will make you go crazy if you, if you try to keep up with and, and pay attention to it all. Um, you know, I know some of it is sad. People fighting for their human rights overseas, the, the Russian invasion. That stuff is obviously sad if, if you're a human and have a heart. But um, to a certain extent, you have to sort of, you know, keep that at arm's length and, and focus on what's best for you and your family. So, um Gosh, you know, I, you know, and it's interesting because this is stuff that 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 I've been preaching for for years, right? Like, um, I happen to find myself on a bit of land with a, a you know, lots of propane and a backup generator and and a safe full of things, right? And so, um, and bullets, everybody, and, and bullets. At, at a certain point, it's like you know, you, you gotta you gotta listen or pay attention, right? Like, if you didn't already go to cash, like now's the time and. Again, broken record. I just feel like a broken record saying all this stuff. Like, how many times can I say that, you know, this is a fork turning, that stuff's going to get wonky, we're in a bear market. I mean, those are all the things you got to do. I've been writing about it for years. And again, just to be clear, Nick and I have, you know, somewhat somewhat different approaches, though we, we think alike on a lot of things. But we have somewhat different approaches to this market, right? I still believe, and and I don't I don't mean to speak for Nick. Nick can speak for himself, obviously, but I still believe there's opportunities to make money in this space. I'll be very honest with you all. The bulk of uh the bulk of I I don't have a large cash position right now. The bulk of my net worth is either in real estate or it's in stocks. Now it is a whole heck of a lot more concentrated than it was before. I'm being very, very, very picky with my positions and my allocations, but I still think there's things out there that 
are going to continue to do well regardless of what the dollar does, regardless of what the broader indices do. We talked about an orgy of lithium and uranium profits, and I think that's I think that's going to continue. I think the party continues, you know, the rest of the year and all of 2023. Um, but everybody's situation is different, right? Everybody has different liquidity needs. And so you got to make sure you can define the timeline. And I also know if I have to hit a sell button immediately, I can hit a sell button. So luckily, and I've made this mistake in the past, it's not all tied up in positions that I can't get out of if I absolutely need to. Um, I've, I've made that mistake in the past where you get that big IRS bill and you have three other things going that fall apart. And all of a sudden it, you, you start looking around, and you go, Oh, the IRS doesn't want to wait for my payment anymore. And the three things that I thought were going to happen aren't happening. Time to call my rich friend, right? And see if we can see if we can get out of this really quick. So again, everybody's different. There's definitely sectors where I still believe you can make money. Nick's still making money on some of his positions. I'm still making money on, on some of my positions. But cutting your losers, I think, is going to be essential over the next couple of months. Yeah, and everybody's situation is different. Like you said, you know, I had a couple of questions about this last month that I answered in uh, foundational profits. People were asking for a rule of thumb, right? For how much safe money, how much speculative money. And it's tough to answer, right? Because everybody's thumbs are different sizes are, are what I wrote. You know, I'm not even 40 years old, though. I'm certainly knocking on the door. And, and, they, and somebody was asking, you know, you write about safe money and you write about speculative money. How much do you have in each? And um, you know, for better or worse or for right or wrong, you know, I'm probably 70% speculative and 30% <laughs> safe money, right? You just said you're even more than that. Now, I don't include sort of real estate in that. I own a, a bit of real estate as well. It's probably uh, worth as much as that 70% of speculative positions I have. So, um, yeah, again, everyone is different and it's tough to make decisions for everybody, right? So you have yep. people writing in, you know, uh, how much you have allocated to this position? How much do you have allocated to this position? And it's it's like, well, what I have allocated to each position might not be what's right for you. So I just try to be as transparent as possible. What I've been doing, at least on the safe side of things, is, you know, basically making a video or a report every quarter that says, you yep. know, this is what percentage of my safe money is in cash, what percentage is in gold or bonds or dividend companies or whatever it is, right? Consumer staples. And um, yeah, at a certain point, you've got to take all that information, which we say a lot as well, find a couple of experts that, that are successful. And um, it's like a recipe. Uh, I'll give you an analogy mm. since I seem to be rambling on, right? You know, you're looking for a recipe to make something new. And if you're a good cook, you don't necessarily follow a recipe to a T. What I do is I Google a recipe, I read five or 10 of them, and I, I take the, the good ideas from each, and then I make the dish, right? Not following any of those recipes precisely to a T, right? Just taking them in and then making my own decisions. And I think you got to do the same with your portfolio. Absolutely agree. So different for everybody, um, Nick and I try to do, you know, as diligent a job as we possibly can responding to all emails from subscribers of our paid services. And I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but I think we're putting out a, you know, a video or two every week, right? Between, between the two of us, just kind of responding to those questions. And you know that it's uh, interesting times when you start getting more questions and people start getting a little antsier, right? And, and, you know, luckily, the positions that, that 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 we have bigger positions in have worked out, but that's not the case for everybody. So uh, it's a long-winded way of saying I encourage you to all keep writing in. If you're a paying subscriber, if you have a question, you have a comment, um, send it our way. We're, we're we're you know at the end of the day, uh, you know the bulk of our money really comes from our personal investments. We love doing what we do, and we love sharing our experiences. But at the end of the day, those are just our experiences. 
the research and the insights meant to provide a diversity of ideas for you to go do due diligence and, 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 and to go vet and to figure out if it's appropriate for your situation. And hopefully some of those make you some money, right? Exactly. All right. Yeah. We got, we got, Love the yeah. questions. Go ahead. Yeah, no, we got to talk gold. Um, gold broke through our critical support level that we had cited before. You are more the chartist, the, the, the more technical trader of mm. the two of us. Um, how are we looking? Do we need a weekly close above 1684? Do we need a monthly close above 1684? Or are we going down to the high 1500s again? It sounds like you know the levels. Um, I'm not sure. It's I read your stuff. Its, <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure it's made up its mind yet. You know, uh, sort of everything this week after the, the Fed announcement went like this, right? Um, whatever that was in whatever direction, like the VIX spiked up and then went down and then went back up and then, you know, gold, gold spiked down to whatever, 1650 something, 1660, and spike back up to support at 1680. Um, I call it Viagra charts. And all that's amid rising volatility, which we mentioned in the past two weeks, right? When volatility goes up, um, you know, as Keith McCullough would say, the, the ranges of things widen as volatility goes up. So um, we'll see how much volatility stays in and not just, you know, volatility is in the VIX, but the volatility of gold itself or the volatility of NASDAQ or whatever it is. Um, do we need a monthly close or a weekly close above 1684? I mean, I, certainly a monthly close would be nice, right? Or else I think you're going down closer to 1600 than 1700 or 1800. But um, it's wanting to hold in there, right? And that's why I say, ask me again next week. Like, what's it at right now? We look while we have while we've been recording. Let's look live. I'm gonna guess 1671. All right, off by six bucks. There you go. So I mean, it doesn't want to break down, break down, but. You know, with the dollar still going up and, and, and rates still going up. Yeah, I mean, if we're technically speaking, then yeah, gold has, has broken down for the time being. I agree. Let's get into, um, <laughs> I think Donald, I think the Trumpster is actually worried about this one, Nick. Um, he might be going to jail over those classified documents. I don't know. I saw him on Hannity. And uh, I don't watch Hannity typically because I think he's a smug little fuck. Um, but I do like hearing um, what the other side has to say from time to time. The other side, I mean the media, all of it, right? Whether it's CNN or Fox News, every now and then I'll tune in just to see what Don Lemon's dumbass has got to say about something. Or Sean Hannity on the other side's dumbass got to say about something. And I thought it was really interesting to see... Um, Hannity actually, you know, asking the president about the process, you know, and, and for those that need some context, uh, Donald Trump is be, was raided by the FBI. We talked about this for weeks um, and, and they took a lot of things. They searched his safe, which, you know, he felt violated. Um, they took a lot of records. They took pictures. Um, he said, that's not how I had them. They did that for publicity sake. His lawyers basically told him, shut up. You're getting yourself in more trouble by admitting that you did have these in your possession knowingly because they're labeled top secret, dum-dum. So, you know, now that they're digging a little bit more, he goes on Hannity and you can tell that the pivot um, is, 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 is coming on. And you can tell his attorneys have told him, you are in trouble because what I saw in Hannity it's hilarious as it always is with the guy, right? Because he's entertaining as all hell. But he gets there, and this is why I said, is he a fucking Jedi? Because he tells him, have you seen the clip, Nick? I I know, but I know what he said. I, I saw it on Twitter, yeah. I, okay, I excellent. So I'll give you the very short version. Sean Hannity is trying to walk Donald Trump towards a legal 
basis for why having those records is not a crime is the sense that I got, right? And so, so Hanley says, Mr. President, Mr. President, explain to me, explain to me why those records were there legally, why that was okay. And Donald Trump goes, I declassified them. I declassified them. They were declassified. So Sean Hannity says, oh, so you went through the process of declassifying them. And he says, there is no process. There is no process. I, 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 a president can, I think about it. I think about it and they're declassified. <laughs> no process. Doesn't need to be a process. And the look on Hannity's face was like, you know, like he kisses Trump's ass for a living. Is just priceless. He's looking at him like, how do I pivot from here? And again, you can critique Hannity for a lot of things. He's a pretty good interviewer, right? Regardless of how you feel about his takes and, you know, him being on the take and everything else, he actually knows how to get the point across that usually that he wants to get across. And just the look on his face was pure comedy gold to me. And look, I I, I don't know, man. I think Trump's in trouble. That's 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 one piece of legal problem that Mr. Trump has. He also now has the New York attorney general suing him and everyone in his organization basically for fraud. Um, you know, and he's saying it's a political hit job, you know, you, you know, the politics and maybe it is, but it's a lot of shots on goal to get Mr. Trump, uh, you know, at the very least barred from running again and, and possibly even um, incarcerated unless he gets a pardon after you know, the next election, if he drags this out and the Republicans win. I'm tired, Gerardo. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of <laughs> hearing about it. I'm tired of having to try to keep up with it. I'm tired of telling people things six months or a year in advance and then them playing out and having to say, I told you so again. I mentioned Letitia James on this podcast. It had to be six months ago. I told you she was serious. I told you she wasn't done. And here we are. Yep, here we are. Here we are. Uh, we got to talk about Iran. Look, it's um, it's 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 uh, it, it, it pains me like everything else, right? Like this, this, this like the stuff in in the Ukraine and everything going on around the world. And but you know, there's there's people that have died now. There's people rioting in the streets. And for those that don't know, a young 22 year old Iranian woman was arrested by the country's morality police. I'm not making this up. Uh, for an untold violation of the country's um, laws on women's dress. And, you know, a week later, the pro people are pissed. And, and the reason they're pissed is initially the government said that she had a health problem and that she died of a heart attack while in custody. And now it's turned out that, you know, the family isn't shutting up. The family isn't going with the old guard and and they're saying no she had no health condition um it looks like she was beaten um and and people like you just said nick people are tired man people are tired eight eight to ten people have died thousands are in the street um people want to be free man and, and, and free means different things to different people but People are tired out there. And again, this is all fourth turning stuff that I think is going to continue to escalate. I wish everybody out there, you know, safety and, 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 you know, all the best. And my heart goes out to everybody in that part of the world. It's, it's, you know, culturally such a beautiful part of the world in so many ways. It's, it's, it's tough to see that going on in a society that just wants to be free. Was her name Freddie Gray? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. People are tired, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's been three years, I think, since Iran killed 1,500 people. Protests erupted, as happens every so often. I mean, it's a it's a brutal regime. And, and, and I guess the point I was making with the Freddie Gray comment is that, you know, people die mysteriously in police custody in the United States of America as well, which is um, supposedly the, a free nation that doesn't have civil rights atrocities. So, um, you know, things happen everywhere, and, uh, you know, sort of. Pick your flavor of ice cream. Pick pick what you want to be upset about on, on any given week. This is the one that's uh, grabbing headlines this week, and and unfortunately, it happens in, in a lot of places. And um, gosh, I don't have a lot of thoughts. I'm not an Iran expert, but you know, I guess people are starting to respond to it in their own ways. I happened to flick on 60 Minutes the other night, and I saw. President Biden declared the pandemic over, but I also saw <laughs> I also saw Leslie Leslie Stahl wearing a headscarf to interview. I think it was the the president of, of Iran or something like that. And then today I read um, he was slated to give an interview to to some CNN woman journalist, and, and she refused to wear the headscarf, and so he canceled the interview. And um, I don't know, you might think that's petty, but. Um, people are responding in their own ways. Like I say, there's lots of stuff going on. For me, it's, you know, I've got my own stuff to deal with. I can't solve Iran's problems and we're certainly not going to solve them in these 60 minutes. No, we're not. <clears throat> no, we're not. Let's, um, the Freddie Gregg thing, by the way, I, I don't think was so mysterious, but that's another conversation for another. Well, just like her death probably wasn't so mysterious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the point. That's the point speaking. of the riots. Absolutely. Uh, for anyone that didn't have the context on Freddie Gray, he was driven around in a van um, uh, without a seatbelt on, and it was done in a way so that he could bang his head in across uh, the, the, the the surfaces of the van, and so he died from brain contusions. Yeah, there's a uh, – well, now we'll talk about the Baltimore police. You know, that was the – um, riots erupted after that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was in Baltimore for those riots. I remember being locked down in our office building and, and told we had to stay there for a bit while there was literally dozens and dozens and dozens of cop cars uh, outside. Um, and so there's a, we might have talked about this in, in past episodes, there's a, a new documentary, not The Wire, which was quasi-documentary, but I think it's called We Own the City or something like that. Phenomenal a of, show. A, uh, so you've seen it. A couple of Phenomenal. people told, told me about it. I mean, you no, know, I've read the news on a daily basis. I, I probably don't need to watch the show. You know, I know about the, the country's task force and the planning of evidence and guns and uh, the execution of Detective Sean Spicer in a park. And they tried to blame that on gangs when um, if you have, you know, two brain cells rattling around, you know, that the cops killed him to cover things up, et cetera. So yeah, I ran Baltimore, potato, potato. I hear you. I think it's like a six episode miniseries. It's not something that requires a ton of time. It's extremely well-written, well-acted. It's a, it's, 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 it's a drama style documentary is kind of what I call it. Right. It's, it's done Mm. by the same. I actually think we talked about this a couple of months ago. A documentary? Uh, documentary style. Yeah, documentary. I like that one. Um, but it's done by the same producers that did The Wire. Oh, there you and, go. And so you know that the intel and the feel of that was going to be pretty authentic. And I didn't live in Baltimore. Um, I haven't lived in Baltimore, but I, I, I have to believe that given, you know, the credit that that team got for how accurate The Wire was, that they probably did a pretty damn good job on this one. And um, yeah, we own the city. Phenomenal, phenomenal uh, six part miniseries. People want to be free. People don't want to be abused. Um, People don't want to be promised jobs and housing when they're escaping a regime that is is brutalizing them in an economy that's imploding. I'm talking about Venezuela. Um, And then be told that there's a job and some housing waiting for them and that they got them a plane ticket and then be flown around 
um, as political pawns and dropped off with not even basic services waiting for these people. So for those of you not aware, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis decided he could come to Texas. He could come to San Antonio. He could have he paid people. Obviously, he didn't do it because they don't ever do it. Um, and they, they promised these 50 migrants who had gone through the legal process. This is really important. They went through the legal process of seeking asylum, meaning some people walked 10 countries, right? Some people drove, some people, however they got here, the first thing these people did is they checked in with the U.S. authorities, with ICE, Immigration Customs Agency. They said, we're seeking asylum. This is the basis. This is where we're from. We want to be law abiding. We want to submit this petition. So by law, when you do that, you are allowed while your case is being investigated and you get a hearing to present it, you are allowed to be here legally, right? So these 50 migrants are in San Antonio waiting for their date to be heard. So that a judge, because this is fucking America and it's how it's supposed to be, so that a judge gives these people their day in court to see if there's any merit to them being able to stay in this country legally, if they're really fleeing from persecution, if there's a criminal background, if they are a threat in any way to American citizens and our American way of life, whatever that is nowadays, right? And so Ron DeSantis thought it would be really amusing to promise these people jobs and housing, give them a plane ticket. It's cost like $12 million, by the way, the political stunt with your money, taxpayer money, if you're an American. And flew them to Martha's Vineyard, which is, you know, a, a, a symbol of, you know, democratic wealth. He thought it'd be funny to drop them off there with zero basic services, no job, no access to a restroom, no access to food. Um, and then make a show about it, saying, if you love immigrants so much, Democrats, take them. Ron DeSantis is now being investigated by Texas authorities for trafficking these people because you, you took them across state lines unwillingly under false pretenses, which I don't know if it is a legal crime because I am not an attorney, but it sure the fuck is a moral one. And, and my God, if, if I was a DeSantis supporter, um, I'd be embarrassed as all hell to back that thing up. So these people, once they arrived at Martha's Vineyard, this is the real cruel part, Nick, if it wasn't already cruel enough. They then automatically all got dates. They landed there like on a Friday or a Saturday and their dates were somehow expedited for their hearing for Monday. And so what happened with these dates are they're all over the country because mm. the same government officials that these legal migrants gave information to, the agents took the forms and falsified their addresses and wrote addresses, fake addresses all around the country. So that when they got to Martha's Vineyard and they expedited, because somebody made the call to expedite these court dates, they expedited the court date for Monday, two days later. So it was to a place up. they had never been. Nobody could yeah. show up. And now they're illegal because you missed your court date and you had your day in court, as America says you should. I have things I want to say that I cannot say because I'll probably get myself in trouble. But I wish Governor Ron DeSantis and everyone that had something to do with this all the reciprocity in the world. Nothing more, nothing less. All of it, every inch of it.
And I would just leave it at that. That is one of the cruelest, most inhumane things. We talked about Freddie Gray. We talked about Baltimore police. We've talked about Breonna Taylor on here. We've talked about, we could go on and on, right, with the injustices in this country and around the world. We just talked about Iran and other places. And these people are fleeing Venezuela because it's, 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 it's hell out there right now. Um, but this is, I, I mean, this is just cruel. This is cruel on so many levels. Uh, shame on them. I'll get my jokes out of the way. That's probably inappropriate. But I knew flights were expensive. Why does it cost $12 million? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one, actually. Good Lord. It's a lot of agencies to coordinate. You're, ex- you're, you're, you're having to call judges. You're expediting these dates. You're having to send people to San Antonio to pick these people up that are just minding their own business. Um, and yeah, sure. I'm sure somewhere uh, millions were allocated to some political campaign that is neutral in a third party somewhere, right? DeSantis Abbott, 2024. That's the, that's the, yeah, yeah, it's possible. That's the time that, 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 that the, those are the times we live in right now. You know, you know, what's sad is that people eat it up, right? Like, um, just like glossing the social media and like glossing the, and people that have like hundreds of thousands of followers, right. Are like cheering mm-hmm. this on, like, yeah, send more immigrants, like, you know, send them to Rehoboth beach, Delaware, or Bethany, wherever it is that, um, Biden has his beach house. Yeah. Like more of this, like keep doing it. And it's like, that's really like the discourse, man. Like I can't, that's why I just check out. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I mean, <laughs> it's hard to have a meaningful conversation on legal immigration and, and, and getting, you know, the hardest working and, and, and the best and the brightest and, and doing what America has traditionally done, you know, growing itself into this amazing experiment called America by giving people an opportunity that deserve an opportunity and giving people the opportunity to prove that they deserve that opportunity. And then if they don't, then there's already a path there to punish that and, and for there to be consequences. But it, it's clear that we're not even at a point where we can even have a conversation about legal immigration. Um, and again, some of this has to be put on President Obama, who campaigned twice um, and, 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 on, on, and, and catered a lot to the Hispanic community, saying, look, I, I will get legal immigration done. I have the votes. I'll get it done in year one. And then as soon as he was elected, he pivoted both times pivoted both times and decided to do something else. So it's not just Republicans that 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 are guilty um, on this. It's, it's it's some Democrats, too, when they had control to pass the votes and decided to prioritize other things. And so not saying the other things didn't have merit. The other issues like healthcare didn't have merit. But got to make some better decisions in this country, everybody, because this is a fucking shit show. Yeah. And people just don't understand, like, just taking it down to like a, a, a basic, you know, human level, right? <laughs> I was reading an article today about um, blood donations. Did you know that like 10% of the plasma we get in the, the U.S. comes from Mexicans that have visas and they cross the border to come donate blood and then they go back? Did you know that? 10% of the plasma. I, did, I had no idea. It's crazy. I bet you that people who are cheering on the um, dropping off of migrants in Martha's Vineyard have received transfusions or otherwise benefited from, um, you know, Mexican blood. It's crazy. Or labor. Right. Well, sure. Culture. Culture. I mean, we could go on, right? I mean, we could go on and, you know, Hispanics are, 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 Hispanics are the piñata right now. There you go. You you want to do a funny, inappropriate analogy? I'm Mexican. I can say it. I can laugh about it. Hispanics are the piñata right now. Like like we're it. Like that's that's where the scapegoats. You know, the Irish had their day. The Italian had the Italians had their day. 
um, Muslims and, 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 and Middle Eastern uh, folk had their day. And, and not to say that, you know, we've completely um, uh, gone away from, from messing with other people, but be absolutely clear that it's Hispanics that are catching the beat down right now. Sure. Sure. And, 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 in, and in America, blacks. And if you're a yeah. black woman or, or a Hispanic woman, and, and it, it gets worse. I mean, there's a, there, there's a pecking order, and it's not good. And none of it's right. I can't wait until it's the Fed governors. Oh, oh, I, I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. Let's talk some positive news. I, I, I want to talk about some positive news because it's it's this has been one of those weeks, right? Um, go Austin. I got to talk my own book here on Saturday. Um, 85% and, and this already happened before, but now it's official, right? Um, 85% of Austin had voted, uh, to officially decriminalize marijuana in the, in, in the capital here. And it, it just went into effect this past week. And so it's good to see, um, it's good to see the follow through on that. It, it's, it's, it's good to know that, you know, if, your mind and your business and you had a gummy and it's got some THC or you smoked a joint or you had a vape, you no longer have to worry about going to prison over it. So, um, yeah, that's a, I'll, I'll leave that there. That's a win. We also, uh, finally it's official, uh, banned no knock warrants, which is what got Brianna Taylor killed, uh, along with, you know, the detective lying to the judge, falsified evidence to, to get falsifying to, 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 to get the search warrant, then going in there, going to the wrong address. The guy didn't even live there anymore, shooting without warning and then killing a young lady that was, you know, uh, working in the medical field and pursuing a career. Um, cause America, you could die in your sleep at midnight here. Just cause some cops decided to lie, kick down the door and go shoot some shit up. But anyhow, Go Austin for decriminalizing marijuana and go Austin for banning no-knock warrants. That's my good news of the day, Nick. <laughs> well, you know me. I'm just going to knock it right back down. Ah, um, here we go. <laughs> wait, so... Take sip of water. Even though it's inside a Tejas, like they can just supersede state law at a, at a jurisdictional level, at like a city level. How does that work? Yeah, so the city PD reports to Austin City Council, right? And and, and so in Austin, yes, they, they will not enforce um, any, any, any offenses. And, and look, let me be honest. I've been... I go to music festivals every year out here, right? I love Austin City Limits, three-day music festivals. We see over 100 different acts. Um, the cops walk around, everybody smokes weed. This has been the case in years, right? Sure. There's a joke in Austin where, you know, people ask, what's going to change now that marijuana is decriminalized? Nothing, nothing. People have been smoking openly up here for a long time, but it is good to have it on the books, right? I mean, this, this makes it to where a police officer can't just selectively decide to book you on a marijuana charge or search your vehicle because they smoke marijuana as a, and then say that's the pretense to search the vehicle when most of the time, you know, that's not the case either. But so yeah, that's uh, it, it does. Uh, there's no enforcement here in in the city, in the city by city police officers. Not allowed. Let me tell you where there is enforcement. Um, I'll take it back to my hometown in Maryland. I saw an article this week about a high school girl, a black girl, um, 18 years old, was selling gummies. You mentioned gummies. That's yeah. what reminded me. Was selling gummies at, at school. Had like a I don't know a pound and a half of gummies or something, which isn't a pound and a half of weed because Correct. gummies aren't weed, but they had THC in the gummies. Um, and some kid in the school, you know, told it a, an administrator that that she was selling these gummies, and you know they brought the dogs. The the Cecil County, that's the county where I grew up in, and, and 
man, Cecil County Sheriff's are a whole podcast unto themselves. But mm-hmm. um, Cecil County Sheriff show up, arrest the girl, right? Take all the the the, the gummies, charge her with uh, seven counts that carry 20 years apiece, and she's 18 years old. So here you have a high school kid selling gummies in the state where it's decriminalized, um, facing whatever, you know, 20 times seven is 140 years in prison for some marijuana gummies. It's insane. <laughs> oh, and to bring it back to the markets, um, some people were calling for a bottom in uh, marijuana stocks a couple of months ago. I would inform you that the M S O S marijuana ETF hit new fifty-two week lows today. Well, we, we we talk about wins every week here, right? We like to highlight wins because who the hell doesn't like celebrating wins? I like celebrating good things, not bad things. And so on on, on the good front, uh, Patriot Battery Metals had a quiet week. It's traded sideways all week. Um, they're in the midst of getting final approval for a financing that was taken down by a small group of investors, uh, fully subscribed, no warrant. They did it at over $13 a share flow through, um, that gives them a war chest to continue to drill. I say all that to say that the quiet period is likely over by the time you watch this as the financing should close, I think here in the next week. And once it closes, the company will start releasing assays from the drill program, which now sees three rigs turning. And I was told that the $20 million will be used um, for the next drill program, all of it going in the ground. It's going to be a five rig program that I think is really going to bust the doors open on the potential scale of this lithium district. So yay, Patriot Battery Metals. On the 52-week low front, Magna Gold, you're breaking my heart, kid. It's been an absolute fucking shit show. Um, and, and so let me be absolutely clear. I am a big fan of the CEO, Arturo Bonillas. The company misstepped. Well, the company executed beautifully up until the last, the most recent quarter, two quarters ago. It missed on its geologic model. It expected to find 7,000 ounces of gold where the rock was barren. You can do the math, 7,000 times 1,700, which is what it was selling at at the time. It's quite a hit to the balance sheet. It appears the company was a bit overextended on its liabilities. The market had offered a financing, saw it vulnerable, decided to prey on it. And it's gone from, you know, this was a $1.85 stock at one point that then became a $1.20 stock on a pullback, which was healthy, then became an 80 cent stock, which was normal because the entire sector was consolidating, then became a 50 cent stock. And that's around the time they were looking to get this financing thing done. And then it was shorted down to 40 cents, then 35 cents. And this week it hit a 52 week low of 18 and a half cents. A $20 million market cap for a mine that's going to produce the amount of gold ounces it's going to produce profitably next year because they got the model figured out now is absolute insanity. And I am curious to see how the company works or if it works its way out of this because there's no way that there's not a suitor at these levels to come in and buy it at 100% premium, pay 40 cents, right? And then there were whispers that a deal was on the table. Um, not sure if that'll ever lead to anything. Not saying buy Magna Gold, saying it's been a shit show the last couple of quarters. And, and, and so just like we wear our uh, victories on our, on, our, on our chest, like God, own the, God owns the ones that go the wrong way. Should have taken profits a while back. Lesson learned, and uh, hopefully it's a lesson for for, for people out there, and hopefully uh, people didn't lose on that one if you weren't in it. But no, look, we got in early. We got in at 30 cents, rode it all the way up, and it was a a round round trip. trip. 
Yeah, which happens in this business. So I think it's good to highlight those every now and then and explain the reasons why something like that can happen and how quickly it can happen. And again, this is a mine, this company that I think fully deserves a $100 million market cap. Doesn't matter what Gerardo Del Real thinks on this one. It matters what the market thinks it can extract. And it's a couple of pounds of flesh on this one. Yeah, and there's you know negative sentiment in the in the gold space anyway. We covered gold breaking down. Yeah. We talked about the sentiment at Beaver Creek last week. But um, to your credit, and I guess to my credit as well, and I'll lift you back up after I was negative for a bit. Hey! Um, you know, <laughs> you talk about Patriot Battery Metals, right? Which you, you got subscribers in at, at, at what level? Sixteen cents. Right, and so that goes to, to seven dollars, and that pays for uh, more than a, than a couple of magnets, right? And um, so I just want to talk about private placements for a second yep. because um, it relates to a couple of things. You know, earlier I said that I was 70% speculative and 30% safe, right? Because I was young, but also because we have access to um, private placements. So, you know, those all, those 70% speculative positions that I'm in, that's not all bought in the open market, right? The bulk sure. of that is um, private placement holdings, right? And um, it's because of the network that we have and, and the deals that we get to see and vet and, and participate in that um, we're comfortable holding more speculative positions than safe positions. And also because um, of the return that they've generated. Um, you know, if I look at last year's closed position in, in my private private placement newsletter, the average, the average gate, average was 100%, right? Um, on closed positions. Did we have some 60 and 70% losers? Yeah, we did. But did we have multiple, um, multiple hundred percent winners? Um, yes, we had multiple, multiple hundred percent winners that paid for all those losers, right? Yep. Um, and so that's the benefit of, of, of investing in that way. And it's and one of the things I've tried to tell people, you know, we talk about, you know, checking the box and participating in, in the private placements. Um, uh, that really would behoove you to, to get on that I would say tip, that's a slang word, to get on that sort of style of investing um, if you haven't already. And the other thing that reminded me was um, I was watching a presentation or an interview this week where um, Areshad Nani from, um, well, Blender Media, but also privateplacements.com, which was a smart URL buy, um, was interviewing Rick Rule and, and Doug Casey. And they were saying the same thing that I just told you, right? Uh, a couple of thousand percent winners, even one multiple thousand percent winner pays for a bunch of losers, right? Um, and then I got to toot my own horn for a second. One of the questions that they asked Doug was, you know, where do you source private placements from? We were just talking about networks, yeah. or at least I was. And he says, well, I got a couple of guys that I get private placements from. One is Marion Petusa and he didn't remember my whole name, but that's good enough. Doug's getting old. He said, the other one is a chap named Hodge. That I get my <laughs> a chap from. named Hodge. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a chap named Hodge. So, you know, to be able to get in those deals early is 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 one way to invest. And so um, that's how, you know, I think you and, and certainly I have been able to, to pad our accounts, to build that buffer that we feel protected from recessions and uh, et cetera. So anyway, all that to say, if you don't invest in, in private placements, you should think about doing so and, and, and at least learn more about them, either through uh, me or you or, or just, you know, some general reading or whatever. How long have you had your private placement service, Nick? <laughs> oh, man, I think it was 2015. 15 that it was formed formally yeah, yeah so you, so you mean so you mean people did this before 2016 like pri the private placement business model wasn't invented in 2016 <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's been around for a bit and, and a lot of folks do it and, and, and more and more folks are, are trying to do it but 
um, you know, uh, caveat emptor, right? Not everybody has the same network. The the level of deals are are always the same, and um, like anything else, you gotta you gotta make sure that the the person you're getting them from is um, astute, is hopefully putting some of their own money on the line, and not just feeding you any deal that comes across the desk. Because um, there are those characters out there. Now I will go off on a tangent. You know, there's an entire business model that exists in the newsletter world to pair newsletter writers up with companies that don't do their own due, uh, newsletter writers that don't do their own due diligence yeah. that don't have networks they go to these meet and greets to meet companies and um most of them are, are you know pre-revenue pre-profit companies that are looking for cheap capital right and there's no uh cheaper source of capital than getting some schlep newsletter writer to to put out your deal to his um flock of sheep and so there's a lot of those services out there and fortunately um, some of them are starting to go away you know the, the the newsletter industry itself has been consolidating for the the past year or two um it'll be two years next month since um, we started doing our own thing and, and and there's sort of been an implosion right as the um what analogy do i want to do the cream this time as the cream rises to the top <laughs> love the cream <laughs> well I'll, I'll i'll toot your own horn for you again mr hodge you are the person that i get the private placement business model from if any of you motherfuckers out there are wondering <laughs> that's all i got anything else mr hodge no don't want to tell you about the spoon let me tell you about the spoon i want so. to hear about the spoon I know we're getting long in the tooth, but um, it's been a while since we've done a random story or just a, it has you know, been, and I love an, them an, an off the wall one. So, uh, Kirin K I R I N, which is a Japanese company, you may have seen their beer at a, at a sushi joint or something, but they're a big uh, conglomerate, a holding company, and they've invented uh, a spoon and a bowl that makes your food taste saltier um by uh running like a, an electrical current through it the, with the materials they make the bowl and the spoon out of so you'll know that you know one of the staples in japanese cuisine is soy sauce right sure. you know, that stuff is extra salty right yeah. you should be buying like the low sodium the low sodium soy sauce well it's a problem in japan because they consume i forget the exact number i think the article said like 30 percent more salt than the rest of the world so yeah. if you can have a bowl and a spoon that makes your food taste saltier then you don't have to dump as much salt or soy sauce on it and i just think about about like, um, well, I don't want to classify all baby boomers, but I think about my dad, right? Like he sits down for a meal. It doesn't matter where it's at, you know, the fanciest restaurant or, or at the table. I mean, before he even tastes it, right? Like he doesn't know if the food is salty enough or not. He just goes right for the salt and, and puts it on there, right? The food could have already been salty. He doesn't care. He's still going for the salt. I do that with Cholula, by the way. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, I thought the food, the, the spoon and the, and the bowl that makes your food taste saltier was... Uh, if not a novelty, but maybe could have some some traction here going forward. And, and if not, it was at least an interesting story. I love it. I love it. That, that, that was 187, folks. I wish everyone the sweetest of weeks. Have an awesome week. Make it count. Make some memories. Tell your people you love them if you love them. And uh, be kind to each other, everybody. Say something nice to the people, Nick. See ya. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.